Greetings, Mount Zion, Heavenly Jerusalem, Holy of Holies, Priesthood of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ. Any other questions? Check it out on redlettermen.com. We have answers. It might not be what you expected, <laughs> but it's for your spirit and not your brain, this entire gospel thing. From beginning to end, it's been about the spirit tree in the garden called the tree of life. It's never been about the flesh. It's never been about our stomachs. It's never been about our brains. It's never been about our air. It's always been about the Holy Spirit. From the very beginning, God breathed into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. So, Acts chapter 2, when they received the breath of the Almighty into their nostrils with resting, laughing tongues of fire on their foreheads, they became living souls. That's how you know it is finished. Now, what's our problem? That was 2,000 years ago. What's our problem? <laughs> we don't believe. We believe in everything else except His sacrifice, the only thing that could possibly help us in our daily routines. I mean, seriously. We've been doing this thing for so long, for so many millions of people, for so many years. It's the same thing in every nation under the sun. Have you been crucified with Christ? Do you no longer live? Is your life not your own? You've been purchased with a price? Do you honor God? Understanding that your bodies are the cups of the new covenant in His blood that other people drink you? <laughs> when they drink from you, are they drinking wormwood? When they drink from you, are they drinking new wine? Do they get happy when they drink from your soul? If not, you know, just simply repent and be crucified with Christ. You know, He's the God of second, third, fourth, and 777 chances. How many times shall I forgive my brother, Lord Jesus, when he sins against me? Peter asked. Seven? That was stretching it. Because Gamaliel of the Jews said only three times. Oh, and we're of Jesus, a greater rabbi. Perhaps our rabbi says seven. That would be fringe. 2,000 years ago, that was fringe. That was, whoa, you're cutting edge, bro. We have a radical rabbi. Seven times, and then you can stone him to death? That's what Peter was thinking. That was Judaic thought. Because everyone had a rabbi in all Israel, 10 million Jews, and there's synagogues in the whole world. Gamaliel was the most honored and respected rabbi. That's who the Apostle Paul studied under. <laughs> But Jesus said, seven times 77. He's like, infinite. And they couldn't even grasp it because that's not human. See, the problem with the new covenant is it's not human. <laughs> it's divine. So no matter how hard you try in your meatball brains, it's never good enough. Only he is good enough. That's why the New Covenant is utterly impossible for human beings to do in their own strength. 
And that's why Jesus Christ said, Father, I praise you. You have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children such as these. Little kids understood his words because they were spirit in life and it would energize their inner child because they hadn't sacrificed their inner child on the altars of the golden calf to get rich in the religious system of the Jews yet. They still had an inner child. They still had their creative genius. So the children got it. But the wise and learned, they couldn't because they'd filled their brains with so much death of this world to be successful in money. Jesus Christ talked about money more than heaven, hell, faith, and love combined in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because he was dealing with their heart roots. He could care less. He let Satan be his treasurer. One of you is the devil, Judas Iscariot. But since it was in their hearts, he had to talk about it all the time. And they just cringed. Every time Jesus Christ would mention gold, they would just cringe because he'd convict them by the anointing of the Holy Spirit sent from God. And these people's hearts were full of the golden calf. Because when you're a human being, that's what you believe in. When you're a living being, by the breath of the Almighty, you don't believe in that junk like Jesus Christ or me, his little brother, or these other sons of God that are real disciples of the kingdom. You don't believe in the junk because you're not a human being. You're a living soul. Now, I have a human body like you, but the difference is one is filled with the Holy Spirit and the other is filled with the golden calf. One serves the flesh, the carnal man, and one serves the living Father, the Spirit of God, the tree of life. So which tree in the garden do you serve? <laughs> the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The human brain? The human intellect? The flesh? Your stomach? Which is represented as the beast of revelation? Your brain? which is represented as the false prophet of Revelation, or the dragon's heir. The great red dragon, Cherubim Lucifer. Who do you serve? We serve Jesus Christ. And not just, oh, the happy, clappy, you know, hippie Jesus, I feel good about myself, the crucified one. That's a message, even to this day, most Christians despise. Because they themselves have not been crucified with Christ. They still love their lives. I have a good life. I see with all my friends and family members, by the hundreds everywhere, Instagram, always comparing their life to someone else's life. But, you know, screw your life and screw you. Be crucified with Christ. No longer live. The life I now live is the Son of God's. So they will treat your back like a field and plow you every day treating the things of the spirit as worthless dung that's when you know you're a real disciple of Jesus Christ despised rejected hated for righteousness sake hated because you cling to the tree of life while they cling to what they can taste smell touch because their five physical senses are their God. They're called the cursed, the fallen. 
Many of them don't even want forgiveness. They love the pleasures of the flesh more than the pleasures of ecstasy, joy, rapture. Not me. Mm -mm. I love Jesus Christ. I love the Holy Ghost more than anything. And there's nothing even close. No idols. <laughs> no sin. <laughs> so I can drop 500 pound millstones upon the nations out of pure perfect love for you in hopes that all of you will repent and return to the high place of heavenly Jerusalem with all your minds. I don't even challenge your fire insurance. I'm sure you're all completely saved in your spirits. But have you been transfigured by the renewing of your mind, washed in the water of the living word in all your conscience? Is your conscience clean before God and man? Or does the accuser stab you through your brain, saying, I know what you did last summer, when no one was looking, sleeping around, drinking, boozing, whoring, spending, gambling, all these accusations of secrets and drugs, alcohol, sexual morality, magic arts. And the worst is the magic arts, which is the sin of religion, because it's just never-ending, because you can never do enough. They just constantly beat you. Do more, do more, do more. Maybe your sins will be forgiven if you pay a greater penance. And it's never enough because religion always tramples his sacrifice underfoot and they can never get their consciences clean. You know, they're sacrificing chickens in the Himalayas. You know, the Buddhist monks up there, I've seen it. Just whole Buddhist temples just drowned in chicken blood, trying to purge their consciences. They still do that in 2017. Totally barbaric animal sacrifices going on in Buddhism. Western civilization doesn't talk about it because, oh, it's a you know, religion of peace. Yeah, right. It's a religion of demons, just like all Every religions. Religion. <laughs> Christian religion, most deceptively. Because Christian religion still works within the tree of the knowledge of good. <laughs> we all know rebellion's the devil. You know, and I have the blood of lamb for my little backsliding. But what we don't understand is the knowledge of good is equally evil to the knowledge of evil because it's all inside the human brain. It's all inside the human ego. It's all inside the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's all inside the flesh. Satan's kingdom. They're still inside the dragon's tail that swept one-third of the stars. It's still inside Lucifer's light. There's no transfiguration, there's no transformation, just playing games in church and religion. Only when you enter the root system of the tree of life in Revelation 22 called the Roots of David do you ever even begin to taste of the bright morning star which is the glory of God, Jesus Christ the Messiah. You know the verse? Be illuminated by the morning star, the Messiah. Be illuminated. Don't be illuminated like the Freemasons and Jesuits and the pastors in these synagogues of Satan, in these Gog and Magog shelters of human flesh, buildings made by human hands. Don't be illuminated by religion. That's always 100% Dragonian. You'll always become a son and daughter of Lucifer if you do that. Be illuminated by the Righteous One, our Savior. I'm telling you, 
This is rare in Christianity, that they're actually transfigured by the renewing of their mind, washed in the water of the Word. It's like transfiguration is never talked about because their churches can't do it. Because they're still in the wrong spectrum of light in the garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Once you're in the tree of life, every single thing Jesus Christ said is easy for you to do. I mean, I walk this thing out every day in the inner city and inner city missions for 11 years. Drug dealers, crack dealers, prostitutes, murderers, been around it all. Been carjacked twice, stabbed at, shot at, my front porch shot up, my car shot up. You know, just my wife almost kidnapped twice in ministry just in the last couple years. I mean, there are some real enemies that come against you from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Especially the knowledge of evil that's empowered by the hypocrites of the knowledge of good because they'll do anything to shut down your tree of life growth. You gotta understand that so you understand why they attack you. Because usually these demon-possessed people are completely unaware that they're being used of Satan and his angels. So you can easily forgive them their sins. And when you come to a high place in the tree of life, you know, obviously all by grace, no one's boasting, it's just drinking the new covenant that causes all spiritual growth. Tree of life, roots of David, bright morning star, illuminated by the Messiah, transfigured by the renewing of our mind, all by grace, all by feasting on His sacrifice and growing spiritually so our cups overflow. You can easily forgive your persecutors. I've told the Father this week on Instagram, you know, Twitter, we've sent this thing out to the whole world. It's getting easier to forgive my daily murderers. I have daily murderers. Some people aren't even persecuted in ministry. They're like honored by people. They're the false teachers. PC, nice. You know, they don't tell the truth. They water it down so it's acceptable to all of their parishioners. People just want to go to the church so they can feel good about themselves, you know? It's called Christian masochism or narcissism. <laughs> it is. It's Christian narcissism. And I'm not a masochist. I don't beat myself up. I'm just a disciple, a regular disciple of Jesus Christ that obeys the Lord, the Holy Ghost, every day the best I can for years because I don't have anything else in this world. I don't have a family, you know? I don't have anything to go back to from what I came out of. Death and hell and drugs and murder. I don't have anything except God. That's what forced me every step of the way to grow spiritually. And I saw all my friends go back to mommy and daddy. I saw all my friends go back to selling mysteries like the Horror of Babylon and selling their MP3s and selling all the revelations that I gave them for free their whole lives. I've seen it by the hundreds. I can't do it because if I do it, I'll die. And I don't want to die. Because for me, it's sin. <laughs> Other people that don't have a strict, high, holy of holies conscience before God and man, they can go out. I've seen people take our message and warp it and now they're having orgies and wife swapping. Sexual morality, and it's like, it's okay, bro, because it's grace. You know? The abuse of grace. Have you ever seen grace abused? I mean, it's one thing to abuse grace when you're trying to grow spiritually. I mean, 
I've abused the hell out of grace, going from glory to glory, last 18 years as a Christian. Because because I just wanted God, but there was still pride and there's still lust to be worked out with fear and trembling, our salvation. But if you use grace as a license to sin, the Apostle Paul says, you're better off never even being born because of the judgments that will come on you. That's what's written in the New Testament. And many of my own brothers and sisters who have gotten so warped of the fallen angels because of just sensual desires, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of the little bit of knowledge of revelation they have about God, wander off and they no longer keep the feast. They no longer keep the holiness. They no longer walk with the Holy Spirit. They walk with demons now. I mean, how many times have we seen it over the years, Penny? <laughs> Countless times. More times than not. By like, like, it's a huge percentage. It's a huge percentage. You know why? And I don't accuse them at all. I love them. I forgive them. I actually think it's the same percentage as the people who listen to us that actually tithe to us. You know? Right. The people that actually bear fruit are the same percentage the ones that of the sacrifice. people that actually tithe. The sacrifice of themselves and make it about God and not themselves. It's truly the separation of those who've been crucified with Christ and those who still despise His sacrifice and are doing it in their own efforts. It's like the sheep and goats, wheat and tares, wise and foolish. Many people started out with us, you know, in wisdom. They started out with us feasting in the cup of the new covenant. But then they kind of strayed and got into money. How can I make the most money with my ministry? How can I make the most money with my natural abilities? I mean, money has destroyed the majority of our friends over the years. And we've had 40 people come through our house in the last 10 years. Yeah, this either, was a community it's house. It's either money or try and find a spouse. Yeah. I think those sums it up. The idols of the golden calf and a spouse. Those two idols have destroyed half of the people that have ever walked with us. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I look at them and keep updates on them and they're still completely gone. Because it's like they couldn't get over this one hump in their life and sacrifice this image they built up in their mind. And it's an image, like a graven image, an idol that they're not willing to smash and just trust God the Father that there's something better for you than what you can imagine or what you can supply out of your own self-efforts. God the Father always has better things for you than what you can do for yourself. I think that is ultimately, it boils down to faith or doubt and unbelief. Does the Father have something better for me? Should I trust Him and walk with God? Or do I think the Father is going to rip me off and I'm going to have to work for it myself to get my own way to be happy in life? He just wants me to suffer. If you come out of religion, you think that. I didn't come out of religion. I can honestly can't relate to my wife's struggles all the time and most of our viewers' struggles. Over, I can't even understand it. It's so weird. I relate to the younger prodigal son of Luke 15. I come out of total rebellion. So when, when I see the people that listen to the gospel 
and then go back into drugs, alcohol, sexual morality, and all that kind of stuff, I understand that rebellion. Those temptations, the religious stuff, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you don't even get anything out of it. There's no pleasure there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You just get suffering. And, and you think... It's miserable. And you... And... <laughs> and the devil just completely deceives you as to you're, you're gaining something by suffering for the There's, Father. It's a pleasure-free zone. <sighs> At least the rebellious people are hedonists so that they can have a grid for the Garden of Eden, which is God's pleasure, and then the Holy Spirit's here to satisfy you so you don't have to use drugs and alcohol or have sex all the time to be satisfied. Otherwise, there's this God-shaped hole in us, and the religious are all hypocrites, and the religious are all full of secret sin. I mean, they message me because they trust me and I'm not going to make them look bad. Of all their secrets, and half these people are on drugs, alcohol, pornography, and they have the appearance that they have it all together on the outside, and they're pastors, some of them, preachers, and they know they can talk to the scumbag Red Letter Ministries because he is openly the scum of the world. You know, I mean, our ministry is an abomination to these religious people that have it all together because it's so crazy. So they, they'll tell me all this crazy stuff, you know, and... And it's cool, because we do a lot of counseling, because we have the seven spirits of God, the spirit of counsel, and I don't condemn anybody, because we've been forgiven so much. I mean, we've been forgiven, and I'm watching the people that, if anyone deserves hell, it's like my friends, and the people that I grew up with, and the people of, of my family. I mean, these people are murderers, cold-blooded killers. I mean, in Teen Challenge, and in Juvie, and in North Minneapolis, and I mean, I grew up with murderers, like my whole life, you know, and I don't even want to give details into that, and I'm not boasting, it's just like, we deserve hell, and we didn't get hell, we're thankful. But the older ones that think they didn't deserve the equal hell, they're not as thankful. They're like trampling the blood underfoot, I don't need that much forgiveness compared to you, you are a scumbag, you deserve hell. You know, and then they parade us around in Teen Challenge every Sunday for 22 months, and it's like, look at the crackheads, look at the heroin addicts, you know, and look at the meth, and look at all these pieces of crap. And, and I watched them every Sunday morning feel good about themselves as we are paraded around as the scum of the earth. You know, and it's like, yeah, we should definitely give to that cause because, man, those people need help. <laughs> and, and we did need a lot of help. We were horrible. But what's the revelation of the hour is all those people, those hypocrites sitting in the pews were equally sinful. And most of them to this moment reject the blood of the Lamb for the forgiveness of their pride and self-righteousness. You know, that's the crazy thing about this. Every human being on earth is equally sinful, even from birth. Everyone born of the flesh their righteousness is filthy rags. Their righteousness is brain tissue. I mean, their righteousness is literally worms. Your brains, I don't know if you've ever seen an autopsy, but your brains look like worms. It's just disgusting. You ever seen what a human body... And that is what your righteousness is? What you can do inside that wormy brain of yours? It is remarkable that anyone could think they're good in their own flesh. 
I don't even get it, and I'll never get it because it's just sin. It's the deception of pride and religion is so deep in the whole world of all religions, most deceptively Christian religion, I'll never understand it, and I never want to, because that's like understanding the mind of the great red dragon Lucifer. How in the world can a wormy brain be okay? You need the bright morning star. You need God. You need the Holy Spirit to be your mind, the mind of Christ. We need the blood of Jesus, like a waterfall flowing through our brains. And then we're not going to say, hey, it's my worms that did it. Because your brains are a bunch of worms. Your worms didn't do anything. If anything, they resisted the Holy Ghost to this moment. His blood did everything. His grace did everything. His Holy Spirit led us into all truth. The only thing we did when we get rewards, when this thing is all said and done, is we drank what He did for us. Which means I simply let it move through my whole flesh, bones, and blood every day. I kept the feast. I ate His flesh. I drank His blood. I had no righteousness of my own, Lord. And I just became completely and totally dependent on you every day. That's the only thing you're rewarded for in Christianity and in eternity. And also right now in this great judgment. For there is a great judgment here that I don't think people realize. But we've seen it over the years, man. Why are these people dying? Why is it so strict and serious? It's like, I thought the drunken glory was a game. Aren't we just here to have fun? Isn't it like a bar? It's like messing around with the blood of the new covenant. And yeah, mess around with it, drink it. But understand it. Why did God give it to you? So they can wash through you in an endless river of life to wash away the sins of the whole world around you. I've seen some people turn this cup of the new covenant into narcissism making it about themselves, and then they just talk about all their little drunken glory experiences, and I'm just like, screw you. Are you crucified with Christ? You trample the blood of the Lamb underfoot, even in the drunken glory. This is not about us. This is about Jesus, and it's about us conducting Jesus. That's why we're called the temples, or earthen vessels, or jars of clay. I mean, should the clay say to the potter, why have you molded me like this? And it's like, shut up and let my cup overflow. Shut your brains down. Are you going to argue with the wine of the new covenant? You know, it's the Job story. Are you going to argue with God, your maker? You're going to reject it because it doesn't come in a form pleasing to you? The Holy Ghost is formless. He's the faceless man. He'll wear any face, this faceless man, the Holy Spirit. He could care less if it's an ugly face, a pretty face, a male face, a female face, a black face, white face, red face, yellow face. He don't care. It could be a Neanderthal face. A Jesus of Nazareth, gigantic nose. Is that even a human being face? A Jewish face. Holy Spirit. He'll wear any face. The Holy Ghost does not care. All he looks for is humility in someone he can put on like a coat and wear. And that's wonderful. And he'll show you off as his coat when you let him wear you. Be like Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat. You know, be like rainbow glory coming out of you. As long as you keep giving the faceless man the credit and take no credit in your own wormy brain. 
Man, you'll, he'll take you into full transfiguration. He will make you a king and a queen for eternity. The issue is, is that all of him and none of you. And you recognize it and you tell others about it. Because that self-righteousness is everywhere from every pulpit and the pastors are stealing all of his glory. Building huge pyramids with their own names and their own ministries, you know, and what they've done. You know, it's like pyramid schemes. Every church I look at looks like a pyramid to me when I see by the great white eagle and the seven spirits of God. And all I can see is, man, I'm so thankful it's the days of Noah that I get to drown them. Such unrighteousness, such tremendous wickedness, the religious wickedness in the world is so wicked in the eyes of the great white eagle. All I can see is the days of Noah just drowning everyone, not in wrath, but in grace and love and peace, so these people can exodus from these pyramids of human flesh and brain worship and narcissism and come into the glory of God in the open Eden paradise that the sons of God, like Joshua and Caleb's spy company, prepare for you. Amen. Did you not know we're the promised land generation? <laughs> we're the Joshua or Yeshua Hamashiach generation. <laughs> and how do we gain the promised land? We go through the Jordan or let the Jordan go through us. It's called the Holy Spirit River of Life. That's all you've ever needed. But Satan and his angels have always tempted you, saying, yeah, well, you need uh, gold, man. Are you, you know, you're going to need a little alcohol because you're not going to have that much fun in Christianity. You're going to have to have a spouse because, you know, it's terribly lonely out there. <laughs> and all these temptations and lies of Lucifer, Belial and his flies, there's just by the millions. There's millions of them. So God's very patient with us to forgive us all the lies we believed so we can get all that stuff off our heads and just have only the fragrance of Christ coming through us so we can live in heaven on earth. It is total reality. I walk this walk and talk this talk every single day. You can have perfect heaven on earth everywhere in the USA. Everywhere in every nation. All it takes is your total dependence on the river of life and none of you. No more following the worms, only following the great spirit river. And guess what it is in Ojibwe? The Mississippi. In Jesus' name. Check us out online. Everything's free. Redlettermen.com. And be blessed. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen. Amen.